Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Welcome back to Brands Made Meaningful. We're talking about golf today. One of our favorite topics, one of yeah. our t- favorite conversations, not golfing, golf courses, golf clubs, yep. not golf equipment, I should say, but golf clubs and the branding specifically of private golf clubs. However, if anyone knows Derek personally, he loves talking about golf equipment and a little, courses, a little bit too much and resorts. Yeah. Just love talking about golf, don't you? Yeah, it's... uh Absolutely. I um, was just at an event earlier today with a family member and someone came up and they said, oh, you were just in Ireland. Did you like it? And, and someone goes, "Nah, I don't really like it. Um, there's really not much to do there. And my family member leaned over to me and he goes, must not like golf. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what we're talking today is golf course or private golf branding. We've done a, a lot of work. We've had a lot of conversations with people in the private golf space This Think of this as some country clubs, private golf clubs. They offer great uh, amenities and great memberships to golfers and families and all these other things. But what we've found over the years is that there is a lot of room for change in that market specifically. Yeah, I would throw, before we jump into this, I would throw community club communities into this too know that you know in some parts of the country you know especially in in the southern part especially in florida clubs include residences that also then include amenities like golf and what we've what we're finding is that when it comes to thinking about branding within the golf industry this is a relatively new thing while consumer brands um product package goods and other industries have been leveraging brand and branding to their benefit for decades and decades. Our understanding is that this is relatively new within the last 15 or 20 years when it comes to golf clubs. Yeah. If you think of most golf branding, you think of brands like Titleist, you think of brands like G4 is a really new, nice brand for golf. I think that a bunch of people think of apparel brands as golf brands. And I think that's this big disconnect that clubs have really fallen behind in the times. They've really let apparel brands own the visual and verbal mind space of their members, which is interesting to me because they don't feel like they need to have a story to tell which is ripe to tell. And I think, I mean, people know those brands because they're the ones that advertise on TV. Sure. People know that Nike was and is was in the golf equipment business and is still in the golf golf apparel business because of the fame of, you know, people like Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. But club brands, some of them some of them have some notoriety from the wider audience, especially if you're a if you're a fan of watching golf TV, you might be aware of the certain clubs that host events or you know certain tournaments, major tournaments, etc. But the clubs themselves, um, brand means more than logo and and the and the brand awareness or the awareness that that club exists. Brand leans into helping summarize the spirit, the soul, and the culture of that organization. And this topic really comes on the heels of our own research. 
we worked on a research study with our friends at Sprocket, which is a consumer insights company here locally in Minneapolis. And they really helped us understand the private golf club membership angle to understand what do they care about as it relates to brand? What did they care about when it relates to storytelling and, um, and perception and those type of things? And this really, this type of research really helped us get clarity around the opportunities for clubs and what is not being taken advantage of. And also what's the kind of the challenge that they're facing when they go after these type of new members, the next generation of members is what we like to call it. So that was the key insight for me. When we compiled the data and started going through the findings, the thing that stood out the most to me wasn't that there are different generations and different age groups and different demographics that are either members of or looking to be members of clubs. It's specifically the the very different things generationally that they want and expect from their club. What a 75-year-old club member wants and expects compared to a 45-year-old member wants and expects are often very different things. Yeah, and I think we've dealt with a lot of GMs and a lot of club presidents that just assume they want great amenities. Um, That assumption leads them to just invest in certain tangible assets, like their course and their clubhouse and things like that. Fitness area, restaurants. And those are super important. I don't want this conversation to make it sound like we don't think those are important. Those are critical for understanding the perception of that club too. But there's this level of, I I wouldn't call it ignorance, but it's this idea of like, well, they'll come find out for themselves. Our club stands the test of time because it'll find out for themselves. And person who's 42 years old and they're coming to our club, they get it before they even walk through the door what we're all about. And I don't think that that's the case. We're learning or we've learned that the best thing to happen to private clubs in the United States was COVID. Yeah. Clubs went from struggling, they went from not being full to having healthy, full memberships and a long waiting list. So even what they want has now changed. That, you know what, the, what clubs themselves now are looking for aren't necessarily additional members. It might be better right fit members. It's probably staffing along those lines too and better member experiences. But yeah. COVID's, cha- COVID's changed that landscape. Yeah, I think that that has really opened people's eyes to what's possible and like where should they be spending their time and where should they be spending their money. But what I think is getting it's getting more and more apparent from our angle as we keep talking to more and more clubs is that clubs are becoming more sophisticated and the ones that become the most sophisticated, especially from a marketing and branding lens, are becoming more and more successful with that. The conversations we've had at events down in Florida or even here in Minnesota with club managers is that they're changing and they need to change they need to stick up with the times just like you need to have a new clubhouse to stay with the other clubhouse just because you don't have a great golf course now you go okay we probably need to update our golf course they're starting to realize that the way that we communicate the way that we um, have conversations whether it's visually or verbally changes the way that we're sought we're thought of in our community yep and that's part of the that's part of why this matters. That's part of why we're having this conversation. So even if a club has a healthy wait list, is in a good spot financially, maybe they've even raised their fees and uh, 
initiation dues, they're still like we've learned with the club in Florida that we worked with, they're looking to continue to elevate the perception of their club, of their brand, of how people think of them in their community, maybe even nationally. Yeah. In short, it's just a lever that people in the club space aren't pulling for some reason, right? They've just decided it's not, it's because a lot of clubs don't pull that lever. And so then it's not a familiar thing to be the first person to do it. They've been very reactionary as an industry and not proactive in being intentional about, they're intentional with you know, I think who they are and and who they've brought in uh, and cultivating their membership and what their clubhouse looks like and represents. I think they've been intentional a lot of ways, but I think that they've missed the opportunity or they're there. This is what they're learning now. They're missing the opportunity to be way more purposeful in how their reputation is crafted in the community and why that's important beyond the people that are their mem- that are their membership. And as I'm thinking about it now, about the clubs we've worked with and even the clubs we've talked about that are really interested in this type of work, they all say the same thing around trying to be the best. They want to be the best. They want to be world renowned for the club that they have, the hospitality that they provide, the perception that they create. And that is a really interesting through line that comes through. Like it's hard to be perceived as the best if you look like everybody else. They're all telling again, I'm, I'm, it's not their all, but most, well, maybe it is them all. Yeah, you're They're, being nice. Um, and that's okay nice. to be nice because naturally that's who you are. So these aren't my words, but words from um, somebody who comes from the club. We come from this from a branding lens, from our experience working with companies and organizations within sports and how that expertise can apply to the, the club industry and golf clubs in particular to help them. We don't come from at this angle from hospitality or as, uh, you know, people that are into turf and grass or architecture, et cetera. This is a specific branding lens. So you were talking about someone in the club space. And they said that the former mindset of clubs was prestige, tradition, and telling a story that is their history. And the new mindset that the new up and coming demographic of members are looking for that the new way to think about this and what they want is community socialization. Um, They want a place to belong and they want to understand the purpose of this organization that they want to be part of or not. They want something that shares their identity, right? Think of a lot of, a lot of members at clubs. They, they wear their club, badge on their on their heart because that's their it's a part of their identity they meet people there they have friends there when they go other places those are the type of people that you go oh are you a member there and they go yeah that's where i that's where i belong there's impact in that golf clubs unlike a lot of businesses have an incredible advantage when they do this right because the people most of which that are their members really want to be members there Mm-hmm. Um, imagine, you know, having a business where people were, were proud to don your brand, don your logo, don, don the symbol that's that, uh, and, and pay a fortune for the clothing that carries that symbol at yeah. the same time. Consumer brands that you see in retail stores would kill to have that kind of passionate fan base. Yep. So, so talk to them, 
nurture that. Yeah. Teach them, bring them along, invite them in, invite the right ones in. Um, there is a level opportunity. There's a level of complexity that comes when you talk specifically about private golf club brands. Even that's a mouthful kind of in its own. But this idea of the brand isn't the leadership's brand. Um, you work with, a, we work with a lot of organizations and those organizations, there's a clear, like maybe the CEO says, this is my brand. I need to live it. I need to, to spread it out and do all these other things. And the people that I need to focus on are my customers. But for some reason in the golf space, the board of directors at most of these clubs feel like the brand is theirs and it's for them and that's all that matters and i think that that is just such a shame they they tend to listen to the loudest people in a room instead of listening to the the most important people in the room the clubs that we're coming across and talking with that are changing that mindset have boards that are allowing the gm a visionary general manager most of the time to start to run that club like a business in a way that it's for the entire membership and it's not for the five or eight people that are on the board. I don't want to get into governance. I know this is a <laughs> thing in the golf club industry yep. and that is not our expertise in yep. any way. So I'm not going to get into that. But you're right. we're talking with a club in Florida that's part of uh, a 600 home community. So they have something like 12 or 1500 members yeah. that are part of this club that includes golf. The club is way more than a golf club. So they have 1200 people who care passionately about their membership. Yeah. And I think the big challenge is, is there's a lot of opinions, right? There's a lot of opinions. Who's right? Who's wrong? Um, whether whether you look at it from a right or wrong lens or you look at it from a, what are we trying to accomplish here and who is this brand for, some of the most successful clubs that we've worked with have known that what they're building is not for the people that, that are there today, but they're what we're building is for the next generation of members. So fire up a few red flags. If a club hasn't been paying attention to their brand, which we're finding happens often, what are some symptoms or red flags that clubs might be experiencing that might say, hey, we, we need to step back and think about how we're telling our story? I think the biggest one that I've seen is that their membership isn't evolving as quickly as they would like it to. So there's a lot of clubs who say, well, we would really like to get our membership to have an average age of whatever, 65. And right now we're sitting at 75. And so how do we do that? That is for us to go, well, if you're not doing that successfully, your brand is probably that big. You're not attracting the right fit members. We had a, a confidential conversation with a GM of a club who was complaining to us that even though their membership is full, there are a handful of members that are no longer right fit to the culture of the club, that those members are actually holding the club back, loud voices, like you said, yep. that are preventing the club from evolving and going to a little bit of a, an, a new place, a refreshed place, so to speak. And this GM was expressing his frustration in how to deal with these, how to deal with these members because, because of COVID and all these clubs have a waiting list the members who are basically unhappy and complaining about some of the changes the club is trying to implement have no opportunity 
to join other clubs in the area because they're all full too. <laughs> so it's an interesting. Yeah. So even if they did leave, then where are they going to go? And so right. then they stay so and they complain. Stay. Yeah. And that's just what it is. But so that big thing for me is that membership isn't evolving. You're just not getting to the place where you say, wow, our spread needs to be better. Or, Although our demographic is shifting and we want to be this type of club, but we can't be. Why can't we be? We're changing our clubhouse. We're changing our course. We're changing all these other things. But it seems to like it's not attracting the people we want it to. That's a great red flag for a brand. Your brand probably isn't attracting them. We've talked with other clubs um, nationally that say, we just can't get people to stop calling us an old person's club. Mm-hmm. Um, that's super hard, right? They're to say st- we're investing. A, yeah, we're dated perception. We invest in this and we've changed this. And, and now that's changed for them. But to say, how do you attack that problem as a general manager and not understand the brand lever can be pulled? I don't know how you would attack that. How do we change our external perception of ourselves if all we're going to do is change things from the inside? And that's a great question. It's a really, really hard, hard problem to overcome. I think the second and maybe equally as large of a red flag is um, having employee problems, either employee turnover, a hard time recruiting new staff. We've mentioned a club that we had a conversation with and when we, we brought up the word branding, the first thing that they answered back with was, whoa, 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 we don't need a new logo. We're, we're 100 years old. We have a lot of equity in this logo. We will never change our logo, yeah. which is 100% understandable. But she, but then she followed up by saying, but you know what I really need? We need more staff and we need better fit staff that fit our culture, that stay longer and yeah. that understand who we are and that want to work here, whether they're golfers or club members or or not um, yeah. we need more better people we need people here that come excited and want to do their job because they know what story we want to tell and they want to tell that same story so i think the challenge is is that most clubs try to get butts and seats because it's hard to get people and that's totally fair and there is a challenge there but wouldn't it be awesome if you could attract people that believe the same thing you believe Because you can then rely on them in different ways to say, well, no, Sarah gets it because Sarah's here for the same reason I'm here. And we believe in this. And this is how we come to work. And this is the culture we're trying to create. Here's the membership that we believe we can have. That's powerful. There's a lot of power in that. And it gives people a sense of relief, especially when you're an employee. Speaking as an employee, I know because it feels like, wow, we understand who we are, and that's awesome. If you're telling a story that is only about your history, that is not a reason why this person is going to choose to come work with you because they'd have no idea where you're going. In that study that we referenced earlier, we asked members across the board, there was probably 12 different things to say. When you're picking a new club, what is the top things that make you excited about joining that club. And history was on that list. But out of 12, I'm pretty sure, I'd have to go back and look at the data, but I'm pretty sure it was nine or 10 out of 12 to say, I don't really care about the history. And that was across the board too. There wasn't a lot of members. The people who really care about the history have been there for about 25 years. Those are the people who want the history. History is important. I'm not yep. downplaying that yep. at all. It's it's a critical part of the the fabric of the organization why it was there why it's remained or if you have a history then then it's there's a richness to why you've lasted this long 
It just needs to be put into the proper context. And so that you can say, based on this history, therefore, this is what we're going. This is where we're what we're doing. Um, you have to continue, like any business, you have to continue to grow and evolve to stay relevant and healthy. I look at history as the chairing on top for clubs to be like, we're a great club that believes in this and we're trying to be this and we attract this type of member and here's who we're for and here's what we do. And by the way, we've been doing it for 55 years. That goes authority. That is awesome. We just rebranded a golf club that basically has no history. Um, well, they say they have no history. They have a history. They have 30 years of history. And actually, there's some nuggets that are very rich um, yep. and very meaningful. But they don't. They didn't wear that on their sleeve or feel like because they hadn't hosted major championships or their the land their ground is on wasn't a former something interesting that wasn't you know where some pirates landed on the southwest coast of florida at everyone one point. loves pirates why does everyone love pirates pirates are cool <laughs> um, I, I just don't get it pirates are very cool um <laughs> but they they actually had the benefit re, the rebranding and the retelling of their story while they thought it was going to be hard was actually easier because they weren't stuck in yeah. their history and yeah. they were totally ready to look to look ahead and look forward yeah and i think a lot of people when they look at branding private golf clubs i mean the private golf industry skews older there's really no way around that but for the older generations i think that as a as a culture we take it we just assume that older demographics don't care about some of this stuff some of the best clubs we've worked with have a membership average age of 75 years old because when you treat them as if they have something to look forward to, then they do look forward to it, right? It's not like, well, you're 75, so it's time for you just to have things the way they are. And I think there's just a stigma that goes around with having, if you change too much, they're going to get really upset. But if you change for the right reason, they don't. Yeah, not changing. We're not talking about changing for the sense of change. Yeah. Um, but changing to stay relevant and healthy and, yeah, robust to a certain extent. So we've witnessed a handful of pretty amazing impacts, results. A couple, a couple of uh, really fun um short-term results that have happened from from a handful of clubs that we've worked with what are a couple notable ones merch sales is a big deal uh something that we knew would be a big sell seller for a lot of our customers but merch sales is crazy that's I mean, just revenue straight yeah, revenue straight revenue um we had some we've we've done this with a, a good handful amount of clubs now and one of the clubs came back to us and they're like in the first week we made like 10 grand in profit just on Merch. In, in the first week yeah it's just like wow are you serious that's cool um there's actually, this idea of changing is okay and changing can be hard for a lot of people but freshness is really nice like when you paint a room and you feel clean and fresh and you're like god i kind of want to hang out in that room a little bit more than i used to um, there's that sense of that when we go to a club and we work on this stuff and we have these conversations we build this refreshed look people love it People love to wear it, which is fun. It's a it's a cool balance of getting that going. Um, another really great. These are like really uh, that one was more of a tangible one, but like a squishier feedback piece that we've gotten from a couple of clubs is that 
people are excited to be there again. Um, people are really excited to say, okay, what are we going to do about this now? Um, we had a club that we redid all their visual and their verbal brand and walked them through all that stuff. And then they go, let's change our golf flags. Let's do that. Like, that sounds really fun. What could we do? Let's be different. Let's do something different. It's like you kind of get the ball rolling on we could change. How should we change? And people just take it and run, which is really fun. We surveyed that membership and we asked them a variety of questions to get to the understanding for us to get clarity on the brand, the perception, the personality, the the spirit. But we uncovered a variety of other things that came out of that 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 momentum carried through. They're renovating their patio because it turns out they're members wanted another place to sit in the sun after their round of golf and share a cocktail <laughs> yeah um, like super i don't know it seems like kind of some common sense things um but to hear what they want and for that re-energizing momentum to carry through this is a club in florida that we're talking about and their memberships just going back now from the most of them that live in the northern part of the country yeah i'm getting a couple emails that they're they're they can't wait to get back yeah. And I think that there's this level of, and now I'm just talking about like cool things that have happened, but like a big impact that happened to show that people loved it is that when we rolled out this one club, this new brand, we gave everybody a, like a welcome back gift, right? It had, a, it was a box, it had a hat in it, it had some golf balls in it, it had, it had some stuff and it also had a, a letter that said, here's the story of us. Here's what we're all about. Welcome back to our new club, which was really cool and really powerful. And I thought it was awesome. And we got a note from the person who was leading the project down there, who was amazing, by the way. And she had said a cool part about doing this is seeing all the people wearing their hats the next day. Mm -hmm. There are people who would have just been like, oh, I gave me a hat, whatever. I'm not going to wear it. But she's like, I'm out on the thing. I see people wearing them. You have everyone's. It's like the unity and the celebration and the coming together to be together is really, really cool. And some of those people that were wearing the hats were people that the committee had identified as people that they were concerned were, yeah. were going to be yeah. the hardest ones to adapt to the change. Yeah. Some of the ones that they thought would be the biggest detractors ended up being some of the quickest um, adopters yeah. of the new updated uh, of the new story. So, if if a club identifies a challenge, if they're if they're um, experiencing one of these red flags or symptoms, what are two or three things that can help them take a step towards solving? I think the most impactful thing you can do is survey your membership. Um, and I know that there are consultants out there that will survey your membership for you. I think that's fantastic. Make sure you ask them questions about the way that we look, the way that we are perceived, the way that we tell a story, the way that they care about how they belong. Um, if you get to some more of those like squishy and creative conversations, you'd be surprised by how many members come back to you and say, you know what, I think we could be better. Or, you know, what really inspires me is this. And it can easily help you improve the experience by just changing those small things. Like you were saying, a club said, well, what do you guys want? And they said, you know what I'd love is just patio space because I just love to be outside. And that's not very hard just to ask some of those questions. So surveying your membership's huge. Another one would be is to critically analyze yourself. 
from a brand perspective. And I know it's easy to think brand equals logo. And Derek talked about it earlier. It's not necessarily brand equals logo. There's a lot of clubs out there that could be speaking better, that could be communicating better. When you do monthly emails out to your membership, what are you saying? How are you saying it? Um, Are we conveying the personality that we're trying to put out into the marketplace? And we should be doing it for our current members just as bad as if we were wanting to attract brand new members because there's this level of oh we already have them we don't need to keep selling them i think the age of members becoming more critical means that we have to keep selling them on the club that they own into or have purchased into or are members at yeah selling's a tough angle or a tough word i would say reinforcing um reassuring re-energizing um telling reminding people not directly, but indirectly through communication and customer service and hospitality that that you love the fact that they're there and that you know that they're an important part of your organization as their membership. Yeah. And I and I like I said, it's not logo is not a brand. But when you look at some of the visuals to say, does this do these visuals convey what we want them to convey? Um, And they probably don't. And they probably don't. Um, Think about that story. Think about what you're saying without saying any words. Um, If you look like a dated, uh, I don't know, municipality course and and you do that and that you just look like everybody else, like think about what that says to someone who doesn't know you. There are people who move across the country all the time that don't know anything about you, that don't know what your history is and don't know what you mean to this area. And they're going to make an initial reaction based on looking at you. And I I hate to say that, but people do judge books by their covers is 100% right. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. First thing they're going to do, another stat we found in our uh, research, the first thing they're going to do is go to your website. If they're under the age of 60, the first place they're gonna go is online and they're gonna do some research on you and they probably will acknowledge your history, but that's not what's going to get them interested in how you present yourself, just like how you dress, how you present yourself, how you look, what colors represent you, the language on the top of your homepage is going to be critical in helping that person understand if they're for you or if you're for them. Think about, and this is the last thing I'll say about a logo, but think about your logo and think about how much your initiation fee is. And I know that it's not one-to-one, but does that logo represent the amount of money you're asking someone to invest in you? Um, I know they get a ton of other things with it. I know they get a golf course and they get all, they get amenities and they get service and they get hospitality and they get all that. That's great. But does that logo, does that visual brand communicate the fifteen, thirty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, hundred and twenty thousand dollars sometimes, even more than that, that you're asking for them to invest? And do would you do that? Would you have kind of this, okay, hold on, this looks weird, or that looks like not like it's worth what I'm paying, like it's worth. Try to do that kind of uh, that exercise. It's a very interesting one if you start thinking critically. Just the, the, a simple exercise, and and if you are if you work at a club, you might do this anyway. But just go go grab the the ten logos of the of the clubs that you compete with for for attention. 
not only not only member attention or prospective member attention, but especially employee attention. Who are you competing with for staff? And put those 10, 12 logos all on a table. And I'm going to tell you, nine of them are going to look the same. Nine of them are not going to be differentiated in any meaningful way to that uninitiated person. So it takes a hard look and, and, a, and a critical eye. Um, yeah. you, you have an opportunity to stand out. You have an opportunity to be intentional in how you look and how you talk and the tone of voice you use and how you tell your story to the world. Take advantage of it. It's a great way to sign off right there. Perfect. Until next time. See you on the golf course. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark, guiding marketing leaders working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more, visit susner.com.